because I believe you guys looked at that last week, correct? That was what you studied in last week's verses of Mark 12, 18 to 27. And we see that from Matthew's account that that scribe, that he was actually sent to test Jesus. So they gathered, they said, oh man, did you see him do that slap down on the Sadducees? Like, what are we going to do? Like, what do we do? Like, well, let's send someone to try and test him because we're, they were for the resurrection. But how are we going to test him? So this, this scribe that we see in our passage was sent to test Jesus. And his question was to summarize the law in a single sentence. That was actually commonplace because, as you know, the lawyers and Pharisees and scribes are trying to divide the little details of the law. And they constantly were trying to understand whether a particular law in Scripture was, was great or small or whether it had a lot of importance or a little importance. And they actually counted, if you count in Scripture by typical count, is 613 commandments. It's not just the 10 that we all learned as children of the 10 commandments. 248 of those are positive, do these things. 365 are negative, don't do these things. So I don't have an issue with commandments or obedience. Because religion, and I know that's sensitive, so think, bear with me, hang with me. Excuse that word specifically. Religion, after all, is a matter of love and obedience. Who do you obey? And what do you love the most? How do you view obedience? Are there areas of your life, do you accept that there are authorities over your life? This is really hard in the Western world, especially in our individualistic America. Romans 13 describes the authorities that God has established, that there's one authority, God, and he does that multiple things, and that's not this message. Maybe that will be a future message. We'll have to see if we come back. Or maybe you won't want me back after this message. We'll see. But God still demands obedience. And I hope that doesn't rub wrong, because Jesus himself says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14. And Christ came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And I took this as my charge today. I saw this. Verse 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, to relax them, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them the commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So what is that commandment? Well, verse 29 shows us what God is commanding us to do. Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Shema. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus opened his answer with the Shema, which all the Jews would know. That comes from Deuteronomy 6. It's kind of opening. They, they had that in their doorposts. They carried it on them. That was the basis of what we would call 
monotheism, one God. We, we worship one God who manifests himself in three persons. That comes from the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Kind of see a theme here. God kind of wants us to love him. This Lord our God loves us. And he wants us to love him. And we see that he loves us in one of the verses that is being taught probably downstairs in the children's ministry. And you all may know it, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In Romans 5.8, which is my little guy Malachi's Awana verse this week. When I was practicing this, hey, that's my verse. <laughs> Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, how should man love God? How should he love him? The basis of the verse is all our faculties. Everything. Verse 30. Our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Notice the all, 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 all. It's our complete being. It's the essence of that. It's our complete being. And recognize that this is the challenge for me. Because half the time you preach to yourself, I hope you guys realize that, that these messages are for much for me as for you. Is where am I? Where are you holding back from God? Where is it less than all? He's not saying, you know, students, 90% is an A. Just love me 90%. It's all of our being. The heart in the Hebrew world is like the, the center of our being. Who we are. Our... Um, the core of everything that we are. Our soul is more the emotional activity. The mind is not only our intellectual thoughts, but also our attitudes, our dispositions. And our strength is the idea of our energy, our power, what, what we have to do what we do, our, our actions. So God wants all of us, all aspects of us, every part of us to be loving Him. And I just hope that you aren't shortchanging God. The whole duty of man, everything that God requires of us, everything under the moral spiritual law can be summed up in one word. And I guarantee you're going to pass this. What's that one word that summarizes our requirement? Love. Yes. Okay. Donuts outside. <laughs> Love. But man, don't we talk about love everywhere? So let's see, what does the Bible say love is? Not what the latest movie says, or the romance novels, or the Instagram stories, or all the other snaps that are describing this is what love is. What does the Word of God say? Because Webster's Dictionary says that love is a strong affection for another, arising out of kinship or personal ties. Don't you love that? Kinship with God. Personal ties with God. That's the noun version of what love is. If you're a follower of Christ, don't you have kinship with God? We all do. And you'll see shortly that our neighbors do as well because they bear his image. And sometimes we think of that differently, but that's in a couple minutes. The verb is to hold dear and to cherish. To love something is a whole dear and cherish. God loves us. We love him. We want to be able to cherish him. 
But anyone here that's married or been to a wedding has heard a particular passage at that ceremony. 1 Corinthians 13 is the basis of a lot of definition. Everybody know that passage, right? What love is? Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 following. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Because it is eternal like God. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And we'll talk more about practically loving God here later. I'm not going to ask you to love this sermon at the end of the time. <laughs> be right. But Jesus added to that first commandment. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Because love for God overflows into love for neighbor, who is God's image bearer. God's love for us, his children, helps us to love others who are created in his image. Fulfilling the law through love, Romans 13, Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, the ten, part of the ten, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he can see, does not, cannot love God, whom he cannot see. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. What does it mean to love yourself? Verse 31. Man, in this culture, you guys struggling with being like loving yourself in this culture? But that's not what we're talking about. It's not this sinful self-love that you go into Amazon and the self-help and self-love section, how to love myself more. It's a Jesus emptying myself, others more important, humility kind of love. Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more important than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but to the interests of others. You have a built-in loving yourself mechanism. Self-interest. You tend to know the things that you are interested in. And there's a practical standard that we also have to say, well, how do I love my neighbor like myself? It's known as the golden rule, which is doing for others. It's Matthew 7. So whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also for them. For this is the law and the prophets. So we have some standards, some built-in, how do I love others? Well, how would you love yourself in that situation? But the climax of Jesus' answer is at the end of verse 31. There is no other greater commandment. This is the pinnacle. And it's interesting that he says commandment singular, but he gives two aspects of the commandment. And why is that? Why, why is loving God and loving our neighbor the greatest, no other thing greater than that? 
Because we saw in 1 Corinthians 13, all other virtues are included in love, and love is above all the other virtues. And the other is because God is love. 1 John 4. God is love. And love shows that he has loved you and that you've been transformed by him. It's the power to love others. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It can be hard to love other people, isn't it? But we have the power of God through the power of the love that he's given us because of, because of what Christ has done. And we'll see what this looks like. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers, the neighbors, the God's image bearers. Consider that. How do we know if you're one of his? We love people who are made in his image, even if they look different, have different skin color, from different parts of the country, speak different languages, have different political views, are different social economic class. They're made in God's image. This isn't just the Samaritan laying on the side of the road kind of who's my neighbor. So how can we learn to love? We go take a class, what do we do? Well, I recommend a couple practical things. Study the life of Jesus. Let's learn to love the way he loved. John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. Think of all the ways that Jesus laid his life down for us. Well, that's exactly what we're going to see. In John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. Well, what did he command us to do? To love. This is a really short, easy message. Love God. Love our neighbor. That's what Jesus is commanding us to do. And he set the true meaning of what perfect love was because he perfectly obeyed God, fulfilling all the requirements of law. Remember that previous reference? He fulfilled all the law perfectly. He's our righteousness. He's our substitute. God demands perfect obedience from us. This is the gospel. This is the fact that God is requiring us to perfectly obey everything he commanded us. And Jesus did that as our substitute. And the other thing he asked then is to go love your neighbor. The most loving thing was that Jesus laid down his life, his innocent life, for his neighbor, for those made, those that were even reviling him. So Jesus is the perfect manifestation and completing of this commandment to love God in full obedience to all he commands and to love his neighbor by laying his life down for them. So how can we love God? So this is where I want to spend a couple extra minutes because this is the core meaning of the passage and the application of how, how do you love God? 
Well, we can kind of practice on how we love people that we can see. So, so how do you know someone loves you or that you love them? You're thinking about them all of the time. They're on your mind all the time. They'd be like meditating on God. They, they send you notes. Maybe when you're in school, I don't know, like it used to be you send notes, you write out notes and pass them in class. Now it's like you're just texting one another, sending Snapchats, or who knows what else kids are doing in, uh, in, in class now, sending notes to one another. You write love notes, you write notes. You say nice things about them. You praise them. You speak highly of them. Oh, I love the way she does this. I love the way Melinda does this. Oh, when she does that, it makes me so uh, happy. Or you write songs, hymns, spiritual songs, hymns. Think of David pouring out himself in the songs of saying nice things about God. When you love someone, you want to spend time with them. You want to be with them. Spend time with them. This is it. These are the parallels of how we love God. How do we want to spend time with the Lord and prayer time and meditate and solitude and just to be with Him and look out of that grandeur of the bay and the ocean and just be in awe of all who He is and just be with Him. Not just to tell Him everything you want from Him, to love Him for who He is. You are magnificent. Spending time with Him. All, 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 all. Not just hey, check the box kind of time. Check the box kind of note. Check the box kind of thought of you. I know this is what my life loves to be. Gifts. Buy them. If you love someone or they love you, like you're exchanging gifts. They're buying gifts. How Everything we have has been given to us by God. How can we be giving back to Him? Our lives are a living sacrifice, Romans 12 talks about. But we also have the opportunity to give, not only to to church and those in need. We're going to talk about that, about loving our neighbor. But we, we give to God. We give what we have. We have gifts, good gifts. Our, not just, think of old time, think of Israel, not just giving them the, the worst. They brought the best that they had. How do you give your gifts to back to God? Here's one that might throw you off. If you know, really love someone, and, or if they love you, you get jealous. If their affections start to go towards someone else, jealousy should rise up in your heart because you love for them and you thought they were devoted to you. And jealousy is actually a great indicator. Well, God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share the love that you have for him with other things, which are called idols. That's actually a great indicator for us. Identifying the other things that are competing for your heart and your love for God is actually a heart check. It's like a um, preventive diagnosis. What are the things that my heart leans towards other than God allows you to identify things that are in your heart that you might want to be able to confess and fight, whether that's the busyness. I don't have time for you, God. Well, why? Because I'm fearful and I, and I don't think that I need to get to work on time or I'll get fired. I won't have the money to pay my bills or... All of those applications of why are you not doing the things that you want to do are great indicators. All of these works that I'm saying, are, there's a parallel passage in James talking about faith without works is dead. Are you guys familiar with that? Have you heard that? Are you doing these things to earn your favor with God? Is it, I will love you if... Is there any if in there, like spend time with me, give me gifts, then I will love you? 
God is the great initiator. God first loved us. So recognizing this is not a love God and then you'll love him back. It's basically the outpouring God initiates and that we have the opportunity to express our love for him. You ready to talk about your neighbor? Let's get off of yourself like the other neighbors. How do we love our neighbors? Again, use this little phrase that helps. Love God and love God's image bearers. It's We're loving God and we're loving God's image bearers. That's what our neighbors, neighbors are God's image bearers. And when we think of those ways, there's a variety of ways. But I'm just going to highlight two aspects. The physical needs and the spiritual needs. 1 John 3, by this we know love. That he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother, his neighbor, his God image bearer, in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Love does, right? Is that a saying? In Matthew 25, the king, and then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my, you know this? brothers, you did it to me. That's what we're called to do to meet the needs of our, for our brothers, our neighbors, our God image bearers around us. I also just want to highlight then the spiritual needs. Display the gospel for our neighbors. Peter, in Acts 3, Peter, they're going to the temple and there's someone begging, asking for silver and gold. And a lot of them say, well, I don't have silver and gold. But Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. What do you have to give to people in need? Here's a physical healing, miracle healing. You have the ability to give what you have. If you are a follower of Christ, you have the gospel to give. You have supernatural power to give. And you have the opportunity to bring people from light into darkness. Give what you have. is not just silver and gold. Give them the gospel. Give them the hope to love God for themselves. Teach them to love God and therefore love their neighbor. Because the gospel as we think, and this is communal, I love what Obed is saying about community groups. It's a community. The church is not this building, the church is people. And when the people are together, by this people will know that you are my disciples if you have Meetings for one another. No, that's not what it says. It, uh, if you have prayer time together with one another, it says if you have love for one another. The world should look at the body gathering together and see love on display. The gospel 
is a communal effort. Let's go on then and see here 32. The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all heart and with all understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Yes, the scribe agrees with enthusiasm and basically repeats back to Jesus what he had said. And he adds that such love is better than sacrifices. Does this remind any of you of an Old Testament verse that obedience is better than sacrifice? Does anything ring true to you? Or for me that came out with Samuel in 1 Samuel 5. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and listen than the fat of rams. Obey the voice of the Lord. Love God. Love your neighbor. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Jesus encourages the scribe's answer. He actually thought it was a wise answer. However, not far from the kingdom of God is not the same as being in the kingdom of God. Do you see that? You are not far from the kingdom of God. As I was preparing and praying, this is the burden of my heart of wondering, Lord, help me see and let us know, are any here, any of you, like that scribe, that you're, you, you know the right answer. He knew all the right answers. He answered wisely to Jesus. But he was not far from the kingdom. And are any of you like that? That you're not far from the kingdom, but you're actually not in it. So please hear the call of Jesus and take that final step of faith. Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden with all those laws, 613 laws, all those things you're trying to love in your own power and obey in your own power. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus, rest in him and learn to love as you see the way he loved. He died for you. Accept that gift. As I wrap up, the idea is love is the key, the key to the kingdom of God. God's own love for sinners, sinners all out love for God, and for their neighbors created in God's image. Love is the key. When our love for God overflows into love for our neighbor, the most loving thing for us to do is to teach them to love God and love their neighbor. And that is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The Great Commission from Matthew 28, and Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. The great command of love God, love neighbor. Teach them to love God and love neighbor. 
And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hence, making disciples, teaching people to obey the teachings of Christ is actually people fulfilling the great commandment. I am learning to love God and love my neighbor in teaching my neighbor to love God and love their neighbor. And that perpetuates to an ever-expanding globe that loves God more and more. And more and more people are being exposed to the love of God. I know I wasn't going to count on... I wasn't going to count on the... uh, projector. Simple little graphic. I teach kids sometimes. When you love God, the great commandments and loving God and loving our neighbor. The great commission is teaching our neighbor to love God. And it's just a simple, leave with this image in your mind. When you love God and you're loving your neighbor and you're teaching your neighbor to love God. Loving God and loving your neighbor is the great commandment. (coughs) Teaching your neighbor to love God is the great commission. And they continue to perpetuate so that the whole world would know that he is God, would love him. So let me just conclude with some summary. God loves and wants us to love back. Love God with all of your being. Anything less than all, 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 all might be a hint at idolatry, a hint of what else is competing in your heart for full devotion to God. Learn to love others by studying the way Jesus loved others and loves you. Beware that not far from the kingdom is not in the kingdom. And know that the Great Commission to to teach others to love God and love their neighbor is actually the natural outworking of obeying the Great Commandment. Love God, love our neighbor, and teach them to love God and love their neighbor.